I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my daughter, Leah, and my friend, Rivka. And this is a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How are you today, Leah? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> awesome. What's been going on in your life lately? Any good things? Um, Mission prep. Yeah, there was a good thing this week. Your, your, uh, your opportunity to go to the Mexico City MTC was confirmed. Yep. We were a little worried that would sort of bomb out, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so you'll be home for a couple weeks and then you're off to Mexico City MTC. Indeed. So how are you feeling about that? Super excited. Awesome. We are looking forward. I, I, I mean, obviously being at the MTC is not the same as being like out serving as a missionary in Mexico, right. but um, it still should be a great experience and an opportunity for you to just completely immerse into Spanish which everyone knows is the best way to learn a foreign language. So Indeed. It's going to be super awesome. Yeah, looking forward to it. Rivka, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. I feel like the only options that I have to ask you about are puppies and weather, so take your pick. Uh, well, it started raining last night, like fall rain here, autumn rain. Um, but we'll just get it today and tomorrow, and then it it gets sunny again in, in the high seventies and low eighties Fahrenheit. So <laughs> kind of back to summer weather, but it's been really nice because we've been so dry and had so little rain this year that I haven't seen rain like this really since early April. And it Ooh. usually rains like this into like through June and sometimes to the beginning of July. So it's kind of been a nice little gift this weekend. Have some rain. All right. How many days a year would you say you get rain where you are? Typically, I don't know. Let me Google it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, I, a lot of days. Yeah, I don't know ours either, but I know that we usually get rain, you know, through June and July is usually a little little dry as is August. Our lawn usually starts dying, which is fine because then you have to mow it less. Yeah. And then the rain picks up true. again. But this year, it was sort of dry in June, and then it just rained like crazy the rest of the summer, including mm-hmm. lots of flooding. So, you know, it never, the weather's never entirely predictable, but. That's, yeah. Well, I think that's how it is all the time. Let's see. Well, this thing is telling me that in in Vancouver, Washington, our warm season, meaning the not rainy season, lasts 2.9 months. So... Okay. <laughs> For the majority of nine months of the year, it rains. Um, <laughs> and we usually accumulate a total of 42 inches a year. That's what that means. Oh. Well, that, we get that much snow every year, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Same amount of precipitation, just in different forms. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. 
I remember I interviewed in Rochester, New York for a residency spot and the straight out of the gate, they led with, cause they're right on a lake, a great lake. They're like, well, yeah, we get 110 inches of snow every year and no, it's not a problem. I'm like, uh, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> uh, so, well, that's, uh, probably enough talk about the weather. I'm sure someone out there just fell asleep. <laughs> but I find it interesting. So um, today we have a very interesting talk to talk about, and it's called the power and process of hope. The process and power the of process hope. and power of hope. <laughs> I didn't have the title in front of me, so I was doing that from memory, and I knew there were two words, so I took a stab at which order they were in, <laughs> and you failed, and I failed. Nice yes. job, epic fail, fifty-fifty, and um, that's why President Worthen of BYU. And he yes. gave this devotional in September of 2020. Um, so I right out of the gate here, Leah, I have a question. When did they switch the devotionals to a, sort of a TED Talk format? Um, so back in my day and Rivka's day, mm -hmm. it was a pulpit, like you're at church, but on the stage at the Marriott Center. And it looked like General Conference or, um, you know, the Tabernacle mm -hmm. at the very least, but kind of the Conference Center. But when I was watching this one, he's just standing up there by himself. And actually, I listen to him regularly, but I hardly ever watch the video. Mm -hmm. So when did that happen and what's the deal there? Um, I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure a lot of the, um, I think the non-spiritual ones were more the TED Talk style and the more traditional ones were over the pulpit, but there was a handful of people who came from like zoom and whatever. And it was this, it was the same, uh, stage set up just with screens instead of a person walking around. Hmm. But president Worthen uh, was like, I think the first devotional and it is spiritual, but it was also kind of like a welcome to BYU message. So I think they did it in the Ted talk style and his wife, I think also gave, um, some remarks and stuff. So. She did, and she was standing at like a clear pulpit. Was she? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. So huh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea that. Twenty first century devotional. Just yeah. Makes there was there was a mix old. of stuff. There was kind of I maybe it was up to the speaker and whatever they oh. wanted. Okay. But yeah, cool. I don't know. Well, with that out of the way, the least important part of our discussion done. <laughs> Um, you picked this talk. Yes. And you deviated from our general conference format. I know. <laughs> yep. I'm going to keep, uh, tell, talking to you about that one. Um, no, I'm just kidding. This is a great <laughs> talk and I'm glad we're, we're talking about it. Yeah. What's, uh, what, what led you to choose this one? Um, well, I, this was the first devotional of my freshman year. So first BYU devotional, we couldn't attend live, but we, I watched with a group of friends, um, on BYU TV and I just remember this being the first time that I felt like I really understood kind of the difference and relationship between faith and hope. And um, it was really cool. And it's just such a well-written uh, talk. Like, it's super clear um, and very hopeful <laughs> and inspiring. So Now, for some context, if I recall... Um a few months before this, I gave a talk on hope in our ward conference. Yep. So I just want to rewind a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you were like, well. my dad's talk, not good. <laughs> President <laughs> Worthen, great. 
there's a lot of talks on hope and they're all good but this one i felt like i just learned a bunch of new things that i didn't uh, know before all right okay <laughs> Well, I think we need to have some offline uh, time where we work out our issues here. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just I'm teasing you about that. Um, so uh, the real reason I'm upset you didn't choose a general conference talk is it's not in the app, so I couldn't. I know it. I couldn't either. <laughs> so and, and so I just have a Google Doc with a bunch of notes, but I don't actually know where it is. Like. Sure. In the talk, so so I'm gonna be reading things and have no idea what it's from or where I got it from yeah, in the talk. Like, I did the same just, thing. Yeah, I just copied and pasted into yep. a new document. So give me one of those quotes that really was foundational for this talk. Um, let's see. One of them. Uh, I think this must have been near the beginning because it's at the top of my notes. But it says, Scripture identifies hope as one of the three essential celestializing characteristics firmly centered between foundational faith and exalting charity. And this is interesting because he talks about the um, kind of difference in between faith and hope. But he also mentions charity and um, a couple of my friends and I did kind of a topic study on hope where we read a bunch of talks and scriptures on hope and the amount of times that those three things, faith, hope, and charity are mentioned together and are explicitly um, linked to each other is kind of crazy. And um, especially I noticed this time around with charity. So it was cool that he mentioned that even though he focuses on faith and hope. But they're they're essential characteristics and they're celestializing characteristics. So basically, if you don't have faith, hope, or charity, you it's a lot harder for you to, um, I guess, be uh, I don't know how to word this. Feel celestial glory, hmm. maybe. Okay. So they're important, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah, and he emphasizes in the talk that f everyone knows faith and charity are important. Yeah. We talk about those all the time. And that hope is, is also not just important. It's a requirement. Yeah. You it's have essential. to have hope. Yeah. It's essential. Awesome. Okay. Rivka. So I got all my teasing out of the way with Aaliyah. So <laughs> now we can just be serious here, but uh, what, what really stood out to you? What was, you know, the main take home point from this talk for you? Um, I really appreciated how he, <laughs> he asks some questions that I think are pretty common. Um, does hope come before or after faith? Right. And he references scriptures that say both of those things. Um, and then he asks, is it a predecessor or a product of faith? Um, let me suggest, he says that the answer to all of these questions is yes. Hope comes before and after faith. It is both a predecessor and a product of faith. Um, and then he he goes into that a little. And for me, this is one of the more, like, oh, yeah, when you talk about it's kind of clarifying and, I know, helped you understand some things. This, for me, mm -hmm. was one of those things. So he kind of splits hope into two parts. Nascent hope, he calls one of them. And nascent meaning beginning to form or to grow. And then the hope that the scriptures call um, a more excellent hope. 
and that it is a process. Um, we develop hope. So I was just thinking right after that quote that you read, um, Aaliyah, he says, at times it seems that we view hope as more of a grammatical connector between the two better known bookends of faith and charity than we do as an eternal empowering concept whose development is equally central to God's plan for us. So I think the thing that resonated with me most from this talk was the idea that that the ability to have hope is something that is developed in us. It's not something we either have or don't have, but there's things we can actively do to develop from, from nascent hope or sort of the before faith or before real understanding hope, um, kind of like that wish um, to a more excellent hope that is the result of having faith and understanding. So that was, yeah, for me, that was a big one. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And um, he used the word, he called it an iterative process. Mm -hmm. Um, So what does that word mean? Anybody know? Something that repeats over and over. Leah's shaking her head, Rivka, so it's up to (laughs) Uh you. (laughs) It's something that repeats over and over. Like it's a repetitive process, something that continues to happen and that you go. Yeah. So actually, Elder Renland just gave a really great BYU devotional on repentance and enduring to the end. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he talks about how it's not just like suffering until we die. Um, (laughs) Those are my words, not his. Um, And and he compares it to going up a mountain and like spiraling around the outside of a mountain towards the peak. Hmm. And he used the word iterative like 10 times in there, or at least it sounded like 10 times. It was probably three, but, (laughs) but for some reason it just really stuck in my mind. And so when I read it here, I thought of that again, where, um, you know, how many gospel things are just this repetitive process where we start somewhere with a tiny mustard seed and then we, you know, rinse, lather, repeat, rinse or lather, rinse, repeat over and over and over until we have a giant tree. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is yet another one where you're saying here, Rivka, it's something that we develop, you know, we just, we keep going over and over and over um, until our hope grows. So just to put a a more finer point on it. So what exactly is that process, Rivka? And, um, you know, how does that play out in, in real life for you? Well, he kind of gives a three-step breakdown of it. We begin with the nascent hope, which comes into being when we exercise our agency to desire or long to believe, like this longing longing for something to be true. Then he says, once the nascent hope is formed, we can then receive the spiritual assurance or confirmation that what we desire is true, which is the essence of faith. And then third, that that confirmation of faith in turn creates a stronger, more excellent form of hope. So I think what it, what it would look like, I say would, because I really, this is such a fresh idea to me and it shouldn't be because you grow in charity and you grow in faith. I don't know why it has never occurred to me that you can grow in hope, mm-hmm. but I think what it, what this process might look like is you know, if, if you're hoping we've had discussions about miracles and stuff, right. Um, Mm -hmm. if you, if you have something that you're hoping or that you're longing for and you go to, you go to your father in heaven in prayer with those longings and those wishes and those nascent hopes, 
then, I mean, I've had that, I've done that. And sometimes I get the confirmation that is a good thing and I should be working toward and striving for that and trusting that that will come. And sometimes I, you know, receive a prompting that this is not, there is something else. And I think in either of those cases, what that does for me is helps me to feel more sure that Heavenly Father is aware of my needs and what's going on with me and that He's present with me in what I'm going through. And that um, confirmation develops a trust in Him. And I think that trust becomes then the foundation for the more excellent hope, right? Then the hope becomes whatever comes out of this will be wonderful and blessed because it is what God wants for me. Um, Even if maybe in the middle of that, my, my nascent hope changes, you know, the definition of it changes or the things it's focusing on changes, but that more excellent form of hope is, seems to me like kind of a, well, he quotes Elder Maxwell here. Um, He says, Neil Maxwell put it, faith and hope are constantly interactive and are not always easily or precisely distinguished. And I think as this pattern goes on, that's what happens. If you start to use those words interchangeably, um, you know, like, well, now I have faith, this is going to turn out well, but that's also, I have hope because I still, I still don't know. Like, I mean, I'm still not seeing it yet. Right. So it is still hope in my heart, but it is a, it is a firm hope that is, um, on the foundation of the savior and, and that God's will is what is best. Great. Thank you. I think, um, that, that was a really helpful (laughs) description of that process of sort of that early hope, you know, turning to faith, which turns to, to this deeper hope. And I think, you know, I always conceived of it as, sort of the three-legged stool of faith, hope, and charity. Like if you take one away, the stool mm-hmm. falls over and you you, know, you can't um, sit on it because it, it doesn't yeah. have stability or like a tripod or, um, you know, spokes in a wheel, how they're sort of all um, connected at the center and at the edges. Um, so maybe that's why Aaliyah was saying she learned so much more from President Word than here because he gives us this, <laughs> uh, this great sort yeah. of... Um, concept of a dual kind of hope. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so Aliyah, how has that played out for you, that, that process, that spiraling process of faith and hope? Um, I think I didn't really notice or recognize the process until the last part. So I can definitely see how uh, faith and hope are so intertwined that you can barely distinguish what is what. But in my life, the various um, experiences and faith-growing times that I've had have led to me having uh, firm hope and, I guess, a confident expectation in the blessings of faith and the blessings of the gospel. Um, And it's, it's cool to know that you can start the process over. And so I have things that I don't quite have confident expectations in, but um, that I can kind of apply my faith to my hope and 
get kind of a combination of the two where my hope is so strong because my faith is so strong. And then they both kind of uplift each other. Awesome. Thank you. You mentioned a confident expectation. Maybe we should go back into the beginning of his talk and discuss how he defines or how he teaches the doctrine of this more excellent kind of hope. Um, and so he talks about, you know, there's definitely the worldly hope, which he describes as, um, what, what was the word he used? Like a Pollyanna-ish um, yeah. you know, optimism or something like, mm-hmm. and he gives all these examples of, I hope that I can get a 4.0. I hope I can get this person to go out on a date with me or whatever. Mm-hmm. I hope I get an A on this test or whatever. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and then he contrasts that with, you know, the more excellent kind of hope. And he says, um, here, I'll read this paragraph. However, at other times and in other settings, especially in the gospel context, hope takes on a much more affirmative and certain role. So this is me now. This is sort of like a more concrete hope instead of the wishing or wistful hope. So here he continues, according to scripture, hope can be an anchor to your souls, to our souls. It can make us sure and steadfast. The right kind of hope can purify us. Nephi informed us that a perfect brightness of hope is an essential part of the process by which we achieve eternal life. Hope is so central to our eternal progress that according to Moroni, man must hope or he cannot receive an inheritance in the place which Christ has hath, hast prepared. So again, it's that confident expectation of and longing for the promised blessings of righteousness, which he refers to later. So, so um, it's not that just a wistful sort of um, desire for things to um, come to pass. It's a confident expectations in Christ's promises. Mm-hmm. So the way the way I like to think of it or frame it is, faith is believing in Christ and hope is believing Christ. Um, and Aaliyah is making all sorts of faces like, oh, I've heard that so many times <laughs> and I'm so tired of it. I'm not tired of it. It's good. <laughs> um, so, uh, but uh, yeah, so as we're talking about the spiral of faith and hope, you know, the more we believe in Christ, the more we believe that he will fulfill his promises. And so I see a lot of people who have faith in Christ, but they believe that they are beyond redemption. So they don't have a crisis of faith. It's not that their belief in Christ is being shaken or their belief in prophets or priesthood or any of those things. They have a rock solid testimony. Um, Their testimony is secure, but it hasn't connected to hope. And so they don't believe that Christ can save them. They don't believe that Christ can perform miracles in their lives. They don't believe that um, in the end, this will all be worth it and all their troubles will be. you know, all their uh, blessings will be returned to them, you know, tenfold. Um, So they they have a crisis of hope and doubt. You can have doubt of your faith or doubt of your hope. Um, So I don't, I don't think it applies only to faith. And those things are really intimately tied together, which is why I like that sort of spoke wheel, you know, idea of it. But the hope he's talking about here, gospel hope is that firm, confident expectation that makes it so um, uh, you believe, you know, that Christ will fulfill his promises. So as you're, you're going through that iterative spiral up the mountain, 
you start with the wistful hope of like, well, I really hope this is true. I, you know, I really hope my family can be together forever. You know, you're a little primary, you know, kid singing that or whatever the case may be, or, um, or you're in adulthood and you've just reached a point where you're not really sure what to believe and you just hope that these things are true. And then, you know, as you exercise that faith, um, you know, you, you see the blessings like Rivka talked about and, and that lets you trust the Lord and therefore have a greater hope, um, in his promises. And then you have more faith and you have more hope and you have more faith and you have more hope and so on until that perfect brightness of hope. So that was his description with a whole bunch of stuff added in by me, but, um, you know, that, that's that hope that we're searching for through that process. So Rivka, did you have anything to add to that? Um, I appreciated one, uh, one other thing that he said, he said, well, we all ultimately want to develop the more excellent hope that comes from exercising faith in Christ. We should not ignore or underestimate the power and importance of the less mature, less developed form of hope that I have called nascent hope. Such budding hope is important both because it is the indispensable first step in the process and because at times it is all we can muster. And I thought that was um, a lovely acknowledgement. Even if we have developed maybe a more excellent hope in some aspects of the gospel or some doctrines of the gospel or some parts of our lives, I think there can, we, I think we can have a more excellent hope in some and have a very early budding hope in others. And I appreciated him saying that because it was a good reminder for me not to be too hard on myself when I run across those things that for me, hope is a little more difficult. Those areas in which hope is a little more difficult and that we should value even that little bit that we have, that it's really valuable. Um, And then just a little later, he says, there is more power in our desires than we may think. In the long run, our desires will determine our destiny. Uh, While it may not seem like much, the smallest form of hope, the smallest desire to believe can be the first step in a miraculous process through which God can exalt us. Um, And then he says, if you then turn to the Savior and sincerely ask for his help, he will take what little you have to offer and turn it into magnificent, exalting hope, which can be an anchor to your soul. And when I read that, I I had been thinking about the three the three-legged stool thing too, because Elder Uchtdorf uses that imagery in a talk that he gave. Um, I'm trying to remember what it's called now. I think it's like Christ, our hope, I think is the title of the talk. Um, and I like that three-legged one, but if you feel like one of your legs is really weak, um, <laughs> it might, feel, you know, like you would not be balanced and not be able to sit. But when I read this, it sort of helped me to understand that um, whatever amount of hope, you know, or charity or faith, but we're talking about hope here, whatever amount of hope we can muster, then the Savior strengthens the rest, strengthens and gives us the rest that is necessary for that stool to stay solid. As our, you know, as our hope gets stronger, that leg gets stronger, then we don't, I, just, I wouldn't say we rely less on him, but the, um, maybe the yoke becomes a little more even in what we the portion we bear. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. Um, I, yeah, but that it's through him that it stays all balanced, even when we feel weak in one of these spots. Yeah. I, I love that. And I love his focus on the smallest form of hope. Um, 
you know, the opposite of hope, I, in my opinion, I, I think is the sorrowing of the damned that we read about in the end of the Book of Mormon, where people just, they just, they almost have a confident expectation that, um, you know, the promises of the Savior are not for them. And so they just do, you know, they, they have no hope. They just do whatever they want to do. That's the spiritual opposite of hope. Um, there's sort of an emotional, I think sometimes depression is the opposite of hope emotionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, um, you know, that, so having a little bit of hope or a mustard seed, you know, amount of hope is not the same as not having hope or the opposite of hope. You know, any little bit of hope is, is enough hope, um, cause it can just grow exponentially, um, until that brighter day. And as you were talking about, that Rivka, I was thinking about um, when we all quarantined, uh, you know, about a year and a half ago now, um, I, I immediately, as soon as everything locked down and my work schedule dramatically changed for a short time, I I ordered the Ultimate Collector Series of Millennium Falcon online. It's a Lego. <laughs> yeah, um, he's been wanting this for forever, but yeah. he, I mean, <laughs> he didn't think he was ever going to have time to do it. And Yeah, it's like 3,000 some odd Legos or some ridiculous number. And I started building it and it looked nothing like the Millennium Falcon at first. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, right. it just looked like this crazy Lego abstract creation that was a shape that wasn't the Falcon at all. And as I put on tiny brick by tiny brick, you know, at the end of the month that I sat there and did this, uh, you know, it finally looked like the Millennium Falcon. But, you know, first that hope is not going to look like the perfect brightness of hope. It'll, you know, it's going to look like, you know, I, I just really hope that um, these things turn out to be true or that one day I can have the kind of faith that, you know, I want to have or whatever. It's only with the eternal perspective or after you've reached sort of the uh, part way up the mountain that you can look back down to the bottom of the mountain and see how far you've come. So that little tiny seed is a great way to start. And what did he say? He called it a magnificent and exalting hope or something, I think. Yeah, something like that. It goes back to Brother Corbett's or Elder Corbett's talk about our tremendous faith, our gigantic faith. (laughs) I love all these words we keep reading about how faith can be and hope can be these, you know, epic proportions of crazy size, you know, like tremendous, gigantic. But, you know, they start somewhere and they start with a tiny little seed, so. That's all that it takes. Um, Aaliyah, did you find any invitations in here? And he's got some, he's got at least one really practical application as an invitation. Um, I don't know if I'm thinking. Guess what I'm thinking. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Um, One invitation that's probably not the one you're talking about um, is, let's see. He says, if all you can do is hang on to one thread of hope, uh, and hope it holds, then hang on and hope. That will be enough to start the process. So uh, as you're talking about that, his kind of focus on the the little hope, the nascent hope, um, that always comes to mind. And I think about that a lot because the way he uh, says it so like emphatically, like this, he knows it's true and, and it's such a powerful, um, I guess, idea or message that, one one thread all you have to do is hang on and that's enough and and you can you know go from there and and you'll be fine 
Awesome. Thank you. Rivka, did you find any invitations? Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know if this is the one you're thinking of, but it's pretty clear. So maybe this is the one. Um, he says, at those times when you wonder if there is any reason to hope, when you wonder if anyone cares or if anyone should care, I invite you to ask God what he thinks of you, what he really thinks of you. I know that can seem to be a frightening endeavor since you know that he knows better than anyone all your faults. But if you are truly sincere, you will be pleasantly surprised by his response because he loves you much more than you can imagine. His love for you is perfect, not because you are perfect, not because you got admitted to BYU, not because you aced the test, not because your parents are proud of you, but because you are you and you are his. If you feel that love more fully, you will find more hope in every circumstance and in all you do. I love that one. It's not the one I was thinking of, but awesome. it is also really, really good. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So that one's totally awesome, though. And I love how he says, you know, it's not because you got to be BYU. It's not because your parents, not because of any. It's just your intrinsic worth. Yep. Yeah. So as a son or daughter of God. Um, so the invitation that really stuck out to me, because I, I just really love practical things. I'm a I'm a doer like it's. I still struggle to like sit and ponder and think <laughs> those. I like to go out and, you know, we are men of action. Um, lies do not become us. That's from the princess bride. Um, <laughs> so he says, when we find ourselves struggling to find hope, we should reach out to someone in need as the savior constantly did. Mm. And as we do, our focus will shift from ourselves to others and we will begin to have desires for their well-being. Um, and that reminds me of Enos, who, you know, received a remission of his sins and then immediately thought of the Lamanites. And I just, for me, that has just been absolutely 100% true. Like, if I'm sitting there wallowing in my own, you know, insecurity of like, oh, do, you know, do I have enough hope? Do I have enough faith? Or even, you know, is this is this really true? Like, do I believe this? When I go out and I do something... I feel it in my bones that this is what I'm supposed to be doing and that this is true and that this gospel of, of service um, is the, the true gospel. And for me, that's where the charity piece comes in. You know, as you, as you develop that faith and hope, your desire naturally turns to your fellow, you know, humans on this planet and you wish to serve them. And the more you serve them, the more it builds your faith and your hope. And so that charity piece is added as a step in that iterative um, construction of your spirit. So, And the charity, so both your invitation and Rivka's invitation both had charity Yeah, because your uh, invitation involved showing charity uh, to another person and Rivka's involved um, acknowledging the Lord's charity for you because you know, charity is the love of God. And so, um, it's, it's, it's interesting that there's kind of those two sides that not only showing charity, but also receiving it can grow your hope. Yeah, definitely. And as I, for me, when I serve others and it helps me build charity for them, that in turn helps me build charity for myself. As I see other people as the Lord would see them, then it allows me to, to offer that same, you know, charity to myself, um, you know, by seeing myself the way the Lord sees me. So it's, it's not a spoke, it's a web. (laughs) (laughs) It's all inner intertwined together. So indeed. 
Okay. Well, um, what a great talk and one worth revisiting. If you go online and just Google it, you can find it that way. And there's even a highlights version that includes uh, some of his wife's comments as well. That's like six minutes if you don't have the 25 minutes or whatever it was. So um, the next talk we are going to discuss is called um, Self-Accountability and Human Progress by Elder Larson from the 1980, and I forgot which session, and I don't have it up right now, but it's April. from a n- April 1980 General Conference. I chose this one. Rivka recommended it to me, and I loved it. Um, so I can't wait to talk about it. Aaliyah, can you tell people how to get a hold of us in the yep. meantime? We have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and our usernames are Words of the Prophets Podcast, or you can email us at Words of the Prophets Podcast at gmail.com. Okay, thanks everyone for joining us today, and until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the Spirit, and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.